Hello, late night listeners. Uh, this is Brian, and I wanted to let you know that we have a Patreon. It's a really fun thing. It's a great way to support the show, and it gets you access to all kinds of exclusive stuff. We have exclusive mini episodes. We have videos of me, for example, writing music for various things of the show. Leighton's doing all sorts of stuff, and it's just a really fun community. You also get access to our Discord if you sign up for our $5 a month tier or up. So uh, if you like the show and you like what you hear, please check us out over on Patreon. It's really a great way to to support us. Thanks so much. And enjoy Late Night with Brian Wecht. It's my Don Pardo impression. Have you guys ever thought about um, burning your computer tower in a fire? Like in the cleansing fire. This one I just set up yesterday, so I have not had that thought yet. And I, after the hmm. price tag on it, I, I think I cringed a little here in that. But the other one, yeah, I'd love to. The time will come. They all, all dogs have their day. It's... What was happening to yours, Layden? Sorry, I'm not sure what you mean. Oh my god. She okay. Listen, she heard me. She heard me threatening violence against the tower, and now I'm frightened. Oh boy. All right, that's probably fine. Um, my, it just did the thing where like, you know, you set the active hours and they're like, okay, we'll make sure to do updates then. And then when you get on in the morning, they're like, oh, you turned it on and you want to use it that, that now you want to update now. And then it updates for a really long time. So Mark and Bob, uh, Mark Applier, my screw, I don't know how familiar everyone is with names. Co-op built my computer. Um, Mark recommended the parts. I got the parts and then, uh, Bob was here and was like, oh, I'll help you put it together. And I think Mark recommended a case that was just too small. Uh, so Bob put <laughs> these parts in there. And he's like, uh, hmm, don't think this is going to fit in here very happily. And so he was in the middle of putting it together. And he's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. And so fast forward two weeks, Mark shows up. He's like, oh, I can make it all fit. And he starts undoing what Bob did and then like just taking pieces. Out. I swear he was just throwing things over his shoulder. He's like, eh, I probably don't need that. Probably don't need that. Just cards and shit. Yeah. Yeah. That computer ran great, except for it was the quirkiest thing. It, it had its own personality. There were just sometimes like File Explorer, uh, the little manila folder thing. Like it just wouldn't mm-hmm. run. And uh, your entire, all your screens would go black and you had to like force restart it. There were just weird quirks like that that happened with it all the time. That's mm-hmm. one of the towers I did want to burn down. Um, and I will never let anybody co op build a computer again. One person's doing it, or else I'm just throwing the whole thing out. That's not, it does sound like a recipe for disaster. Did you watch the Henry Cavill building his PC video as a PC builder? I'm curious if you saw it or what your take is. I did not. No, I, I saw some pictures and I saw those bulging muscles. And then I looked in the mirror and I was like, I can't watch this video. It's literally <laughs> me feeling bad about myself. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's perfectly fair. I sent it to um, our friend Allie, who's been a guest on the show, etc. cetera. Uh, and I was watching with her and she was like, this dumb ass like he's not even he's not even doing it right he doesn't need that much water cooling it's not like this i can imagine much people like sitting back like on their couch putting it on their tv like sipping a glass of wine like spewing it out of their mouth like angrily like that's not even how you put a motherboard in <laughs> well yeah the entire angle was like this only makes this hotter which is like yes i agree this is this is true i just love a, a man with a bicep as large as my head who's just dumb as rocks I think he's supposed to be like pretty smart and kind of nerdy, right? Oh yeah, totally. But you know, sometimes people just have like himbo energy, 
We're three minutes yeah. into the podcast and I'm already dropping the word himbo. So welcome Monday morning. <laughs> what is himbo? Well, you know, there's like a bimbo, which is like a lady who's dumb. And then himbo is the equal opportunity version. My brain, I must be a himbo as well. I did not make that connection. <laughs> We're all himbos deep down. <laughs> Please, uh, God, don't let that be the name of the episode. We, you and I have control over that, but I'm going to push for it. Great. Love it. Uh, Leighton, we were talking before. So Wade is in Cincinnati, and we were just Ooh. talking about Ohio and, you know, various cities in Ohio. I, I was telling him that NSP has, we've only toured through Cleveland, but uh, we have uh, strongly considered doing like many, many Ohio shows like in Columbus or Cincinnati. We know there's a big fan community out there. But I have no, basically no personal experience with Ohio. I don't either. Really good food. Really weird mixture of people. I mean, so like, like I said, Ohio is a swing state. and You can definitely feel that here. You can feel the, mm. the northern influence, the southern influence, and uh, the general just dumb as a box of rocks all around. <laughs> tell, tell us about the supposed good food. Like what kind of good are we talking? Okay, so I'm obviously biased. I live here and I've been eating stuff here the whole time. But it's just a really nice mixture of everything. Cincinnati especially is very German influenced. So we have a lot mm -hmm. of like uh, breweries and different beer companies. Around. I'm not a big beer drinker, so that's not really a pull for me. But the thing I love is we have Cincinnati style chili. Yes, I've heard of it. So it's it's a fast food joint, right? So don't go there expecting like, oh, five star, you know, $300 meal. It's like, eight bucks to go in and get like a plate of food. Awesome. But Cincinnati Chili, is it's all over the place. Skyline, Gold Star, those are the competing brands. They're kind of like the Coke and Pepsi of Ohio. It's like, oh, the Skyline. Oh, no, Gold Star. <laughs> but I made a mistake early on in my career of talking about this food. And out of context, there's a quote of me being like, oh, dude, I could really go for a three-way right now. And uh, <laughs> Cincinnati terms is I want spaghetti with chili and cheese. And then a uh -huh. four-way, you add beans or onions. And a five-way, you add both. And then there we have chili cheese conies. There's chili cheese fries. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Chili cheese burritos. Ooh. So uh, I do want to clarify one thing. Because when I lived in Ann Arbor uh, in Michigan for a year, this is the only, the first time I'd ever heard the phrase conies. So I'm, do you know what a coney is, Leighton? No. Wade, do you want to clarify? Basically, it's a hot dog on a bun with, I don't know if there's like a, a base form of a coney, but here, cheese coney is hot dog on a bun with cheese, chili, and typically it comes with mustard and onion on there. All right. Yeah. It's short, as I understand it, for Coney Island dog or some version of that, right? So the coney is Coney Island. Yeah. I'm, I don't like a wet dog. I like chili. I like a hot dog with cheese, but. Don't put anything on my food. Cheese conies, I make an exception for. I love a chili dog. Like I, I was, I think I might've been talking about this on a previous episode, but <laughs> in Jersey, our version of the Coney was called a Texas wiener. And there was a place uh, right near where I grew up in Pompton Lakes. I think the place was actually in Wayne called Macabre's, which had Texas wieners. And it's basically a chili dog. It's chili, onions, mustard. And you can also order them instead of saying a Texas wiener, which, you know, even in the 80s when I was growing up, felt weird to say out loud. But you could order, uh, you know, give me a couple all the way. So that was our equivalent of a five-way, I guess. <laughs> I just want a big, fat Texas wiener five-way. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody clipped that. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's producer Jarek here. Actually, here's a nice, clean version so that you can clip what Leighton just said. 
<laughs> I just want a big fat Texas wiener five way. <laughs> I just want a big fat Texas wiener five way. <laughs> I just want a big fat Texas wiener five way. <laughs> I just want a big fat Texas wiener five way. Have fun. So Cincinnati Philly is like the consistency of like a spaghetti and meatballs marinara sauce. Oh, wow. Whereas Texas style chili is very like, it's what like very chunky, a lot of different things that like kind of pop out there rather than kind of just being um, really like a marinara sauce consistency. Nothing like marinara sauce and flavor. The thing I've always been curious about, never having been to Cincinnati, and I love chili, huge chili fan. I have heard that the chili has a strong like cinnamon vibe to it mm. and i'm not a cinnamon guy i really hate cinnamon i disagree with that. now cinnamon i think is in the recipe allegedly right like none of, none of us know the full recipe but allegedly there's cinnamon and chocolate and all kinds of weird stuff in it i don't even think the chili's sweet i think it's um it's not spicy like texas chili i think it's relatively mild mm -hmm. um there might be a little bit of sweetness or a little bit of spice kick to it but it's very mild to me as a kid i was super picky there were very few things i would try even but i would always eat chili and I've only ever met two people who don't like at least Skyline Chili. And one of them hasn't tried it in 13 years. So who knows if they still <laughs> like it or don't like it. Uh -huh. I've never once tasted cinnamon or chocolate. It's kind of one of those things where there's so many different flavors in your mouth at once. It's I Unless you are a food expert, I don't know how you would pick out something specific like cinnamon. It's got to be something where it, it amps up a different flavor in it or it balances something out. Because like cinnamon is like yeah. pretty often used as a savory thing in like Indian food and stuff. Yeah. Like it... That's a little bit. So in like a vindaloo or something, it's great. I would say it's probably similar to that then because like I've eaten Indian food. I've never tasted cinnamon. Skyline, I've never eaten and be like, hmm, heavy with the cinnamon today. Like I've never once thought about <laughs> cinnamon when I'm eating it. How do y'all feel about a chili on like baked potatoes? Because that's like the only way I'll eat it. They actually have those at these restaurants. I believe you can get a potato with uh, chili and cheese. And if you want more in there, they, they'll serve it that way. All right. I fuck with that. Here's the way I prefer to eat a potato. And... I think this marks me as unusual. I'm talking about a baked potato. Let's ignore all other potato preparations for the moment. I'm referring sure. specifically to a baked potato. I just want to pick it up and eat it like an apple. That is my preferred method of eating a baked potato. That's that's the true thing, right? You're not just... No, no. I, I, 100%. If I have a baked potato, I... Do you peel it? No, I don't peel it. I just eat it. Okay. Okay, yeah. I fuck with that. But I want the middle bits. I want sour cream, cheese, a little chive, bacon. Like I want the works on it. But then once you get to the skin, I want to eat that skin. Yeah, yeah. I'm lazy and I don't want to wait like, you know, an hour for it to be in the oven and have nice things on it. So I microwave it and it's shit, but it's a meal. Mm -hmm. So if I ever do an actual baked one, I'm I'm all about those skins. Oh, and if you have some left over the next day, you do some uh, uh, double baked potatoes. Like, hell yeah. But wait, no skin for you? I'm not, I'm not a big skin. Not on like fries or something, sure. But like on a baked potato, I typically don't eat the skin if I can avoid it. I just cut that bad boy up, put some butter, salt, and pepper. I don't, I don't really want much else. Again, like it's weird that I'll eat chili and, and uh, cheese conies and stuff because typically with my meals, it's like, give me a, a, a hamburger with cheese, maybe bacon if I'm feeling crazy. <laughs> You're like, no, ketchup, no mustard, no nothing on there. Just let me enjoy that meat. I had a friend like this in, in high school who just real, and this is not a judgment at all, just very basic food tastes. So for you, is that a... Do you think you're sensitive to different tastes or is it just a like, I don't like them 
kind of thing. More for me, it's texture. As soon as you put like a pickle or ketchup or something on on a burger, the bun gets super soggy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just don't like pickles in general, but just the the slimy, wet, cold in conjunction with the burger. Like you put cheese on a burger, it gets nice and melty. You put bacon on a burger, it's usually hot and crispy. The bun mm-hmm. like warms up and it's just like, I don't know, it's a nice crunch texture with a little bit of cheese in there that the cheese isn't like super runny or anything. But everything else is just such a weird feeling in my mouth that the moment I get a burger that's not made the way like I order it plain, whatever, I get it and I bite into it. There's ketchup and mustard. It's not like I'm grossed out by the flavor. Sometimes I'm caught off guard. But as soon as I feel that texture of it, it's just like I'm I'm completely turned off and don't want to eat it. But you put ketchup on a burger and I'm just, nope, someone else can have that. Wow. That, That is a hot take if I've ever heard one. No ketchup on a burger. What? I think I'm with you, Wade. I don't really like ketchup on a burger. I love mayo on a burger, but I don't want like any other sauce on it. I don't like mayo or mustard. Now, I do like ketchup. I, I'll eat ketchup on weird things like, you know, you get fish, dip fish in there, chicken, like dip chicken. Like, you know, I, I love ketchup, but and ketchup on a burger again doesn't taste bad to me. It's just that texture. It, it, it's not, it's, it's alien. What I've been doing a lot recently is eating burgers without the bun you know, basically with a knife and a fork. And, and I recognize that this is not, you know, the world's most blue collar thing to do, but I, you know, we're cooking burgers and we didn't have bread a lot during pandemic, right? Because we're not just running out to get fucking burger buns for no reason. And we, and we for whatever reason, at the start of, uh, you know, uh, social distancing and shutdown and stuff, we bought a fuck ton of ground beef. And so we just have like a freezer full of ground beef. So we've been working our way through it. And so lots of burgers, but not a lot of bread. So I have recently been eating burgers bunless and i'm curious wade would that would ketchup on a bunless burger be acceptable or not i really want to get into this i don't know i i would have to try it and honestly it would probably be like day 16 i've had burgers every day i need to try something different with the burger let's dip it and find out that that, that would be kind of like apocalypse mode for me Yeah, that feels a little bit more like adjacent to a meatloaf, like because you know you you part of a meatloaf is you put ketchup on it usually. Yeah, I know I'm the weird one for not liking condiments on my burgers, but uh, to even like consider being like maybe I should ruin my own burger, it would have to be pretty deep into the apocalypse. I also think like I agree with you with pickles. Pickles are one of my favorite things. Pickles are a great snack, not on a burger. I, I disagree very strongly with both of you. Uh, here's the thing I will say about pickles on a burger is if you slice them too thick, it's a fucking nightmare. So if you're going to put a pickle on a burger, it's got to be like real, real thin slices. Oh, yeah. You leave the pickle whole almost and then you just give it to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into pickles. But yeah, pickles on a burger, I think are great. But bread and butter pickles, I think are a nightmare. There's something there's something like sweet about them that I really hate. I do not like sweet pickles. I need them to be like very, very tart. Yes. They're gross. I don't like vinegar pickles. Any pickles with vinegar, don't want them. Not interested. I want pure dill, like, you know, brine and dill and garlic. And that's kind of, and maybe some like spicy peppers or whatever. That's it. So I'm assuming you don't like like Asian pickles or if you get like a little cinnamon uh, salad oh. with some seaweed and cucumbers or. No, that I love. Like that that kind of pickle, like, like an Asian pickle with like rice yeah. vinegar or whatever, I think is great. Just regular vinegar is the no-go? Yeah, unlike standard, like, you know, dill-type pickles with vinegar. It adds a taste that I really, really dislike. Uh, Mm. And anytime you start putting fucking sugar in there, I am absolutely done with it. No interest. 
I love making the Asian pickles. There's a recipe that I learned when I was a kid because there was a restaurant that would like, instead of miso soup in the summer, they would give you cold cucumber soup. And that sounds gross. No, I think it sounds awesome. Yeah, it's so easy. You just make the pickles, you do like a little bit more of the brine, and then you put cold chicken broth in it and it is refrigerated Mm. and it is the most refreshing thing in the world. And like every time I would get it, I would just like chug the entire thing. Every time I make it, it's gone immediately. Yeah. But I was at my um, grandma's house once and she can be stubborn. Um, and I was a kid and I was like, let's make cold cucumber soup. And she was like, Wait, is this, is this the grandma that we had to cut out your comment about? Um, we cut out your comment about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I misremembered that. <laughs> yes. This is the same grandmother who told me that I don't take the evils of this world seriously because I insist on quote, binging on Halloween horror films. But anyway, she was like, I have this chicken, like gelatin chicken broth that we're going to use. And I was like, Grandma, it's a cold soup. That's not going to work. And she was like, no, it's going to work. You should listen to me. And I was like, all right, Grandma. Anyway, so we had a a bowl of cold cucumber jello. And I was like, I told you. (laughs) I fucking told you. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, the Halloween thing reminded me. Before uh, we started recording, Wade, you were telling me something very interesting about Halloween that I'd like to hear again uh, on the record. So on the record, I'm going to, I hate when this happens during recordings for games and stuff, because you never know when you're going to post a video. I don't know when you guys post these, but today's July 27th when we're recording this. Uh, just, I want everyone to know it's July 27th. <laughs> I woke up this morning, Monday morning, uh, had to been like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm usually up late, so I usually sleep in a little bit later in the day. So I'm not usually awake at 10 a.m. To our doorbell ringing, not once, not twice, not three times, not four times. Five times our doorbell rang with knocks in between. I've got a dog who's got a hurt back right now, and she's on a bunch of like medicine. And she was like, she's not supposed to be moving around. She hopped up barking. She's trying to like jump down and go see who's at the door and all this and that. I'm trying to calm her down. Got to run to the door, see what's going on. And there are three kids at our door, Monday, July 27th at 10 a.m., dressed in full costumes with buckets, and they say trick or treat. When I open the door, <laughs> what? These are not kids I know. These are kids that have come into our yard within the last week. Out of nowhere, these kids have like turned our yard into their playground. Which I don't typically mind kids, you know, doing their thing. But these are, kids aren't just like you know running around playing. They're riding their bikes through our yard, through our neighbor's yard, and then they were like hiding, peering into like our our windows. And I asked them one day, I was like, "Hey, why are you guys peering into our windows?" And they're like, "Oh." We're trying to find a way in. It's like, excuse me? They're like, we're hiding. <laughs> Some siren head. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the siren head thing that's going on. It's like the new... Yeah, my friend Trevor uh, made, made siren head. Yeah, well, thanks to them for that, because now I've got kids <laughs> trying to break into my house to hide from siren head. Real quick, can you guys explain siren head? Because I, I, I've heard of it, but I don't really know what it is. So Trevor, who goes by the name Slimy Swamp Ghost online, he's a really incredible horror artist. And I think just like kind of the beating heart of the the Twitter, especially. He's on my shit list today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he he's like really well known for doing these like found footage style. Like he'll take photos and put spooky creatures in them. And, you know, he's super creative and will write like lore for stuff. But basically he made this character Siren Head, which is like a really, really big tall creature with a siren for a head. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. 
Yeah. Somebody made a TikTok that was basically like a 3D render of it. It was like really spooky. And then that went viral. And then somebody tried to make a game out of it. There were all these like YouTube theory things making up lore for it. And it's just been like such a bummer to watch Trevor have to deal with a thing of his suddenly blow up and kind of go beyond his control. I like really feel for that. Just like people fucking running with it and making up bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's hard, like something that you create that's your baby just kind of getting co-opted. Anyway, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with Trevor's work, you should go check it out because he's just fucking awesome and a real peach. For Trevor's sake, let's all stop spreading Siren Head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like these kids are trying to pull a um, them kind of situation. Are you guys familiar with that movie? It's a home invasion movie. Turns out it's children. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but wait. Okay, so keep going. So yeah, they they in the yard trying to get into the house to hide from Siren Head, and then like I convinced them like, hey, uh, please don't do that. It's weird. <laughs> don't and, break into my home. Yeah, yeah. And then they they're like, okay. And then they they like begrudgingly leave because they think that our our house is the only safe haven from Siren Head. I don't know why our house. I don't know why we were cursed with these children, but uh, they then leave. But they leave like some kind of, you know, those like uh, cargo pants and some of the other pants you buy that have like the weird little cloth belts that no one ever actually ends up using. And they just, uh-huh. they left something like that on the ground and some other of their garbage. And I was like, don't forget your stuff. And I, I kid you not, one of the kids looked back and was like, oh, I don't want it. And then they left. <laughs> Wait, how, how old are these kids? They've got to be somewhere between like nine and 12. Uh huh. Where are their parents? I don't know. Oh. Layton, you know, at, at this point in six months into COVID, parents are just checked out. Like, we're, we're basically done parenting. So those those parents are day drinking and not watching their children. Okay, Wade, I, I have an idea for you to get this to stop. <laughs> I, I've thought of a few things, but I, I don't want to say anything out loud for legal reasons. Um. Okay, get a big stereo speaker and put it outside and start every time they come into your yard, start playing Sirens. Honestly, I'm a pretty tall guy. I'm about six foot four. I thought about buying some stilts and like getting a full siren head like they built up. Oh yes. And then like walk around my backyard. Because they just I mean they blatantly ride their bike up our driveway, around our yard, just at, at free will. Even after I talked to them, I was like, please like in all seriousness, my dog is she's hurt right now. Her back's hurt. And if she sees people in the yard, she runs and jumps at the door and having a bunch of kids running around screaming is not really good for her. So I was like, please, you know, for our dog's sake, like, you know, I don't care if you guys ride your bikes up the driveway, whatever, you know, do your thing. But don't ride around our yard and peer into our windows and try to get into our house and all that. But yeah, today they showed up in full costume. I mean, one of them was like a onesie costume. This isn't something like these kids probably had help. (laughs) What were the costumes? I don't know. I don't remember because I I was in a daze. (laughs) When I opened the door and saw it was these kids again, I was like, oh, God, okay, maybe they broke something. They tossed the baseball. Okay, let's let's hear what, what happened. And then I hear trick or treat and I it's like my brain shut down. I was already not awake, but just part of my brain shut down to trick or treat at 10 a.m. on Monday, July 27th during a <laughs> pandemic. Well, hopefully they were wearing masks. <laughs> One of them had like face paint on and like a little like those little like strap dog nose things that like, you know, uh-huh. goes around your head, like the little nose yeah, cover yeah. or whatever. And like some face paint, and it was like a, a white onesie of some kind. I don't remember what the other two were wearing. This one kid that rides his bike is always shirtless. I kind of have an idea what he's going to grow up to be based on the way he kind of acts and the whole like 
oh, I don't want that garbage. I'm leaving it in my yard. And, you know, there's, there's just, a, there's no Ohio type that he's kind of in the mold to become. Like, a, just, uh, it, the, the word we're looking for is douchebag, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. I want to hear about Ohio douchebags. So there's, I think we said before, it, it's, a lot of it's very rural, right? There's like. There's three, four big cities and the rest of it's farmland. Again, this is not a judgment. This is just a, a question. Uh, is it like trailer parky parts of it or or what's the vibe? Well, there's definitely some of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like. I've only ever lived here, so I don't know what it's like everywhere else. But um, very much a mixture, right? So we have uh, the the rich people areas called like Indian Hill here in Cincinnati. And that's where all of the football players live and all of the CEOs and everything else. It's like their multi-million dollar mansions and stuff. I don't know about where you guys are, but like $2 million in Cincinnati even in Indian Hill, gets you like an 18-bathroom, 20-bedroom house with a guest house that's bigger than anyone else's regular house. Like, you get a lot. <laughs> Fuck. Hey, $2 million gets you a shed in someone's backyard. Like a $100,000 house here or $50,000 house here is like a $500,000 house there. Yeah. I mean, $500,000 house is optimistic, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I spent so much time on Zillow just looking at houses because I'm like, I'm going to manifest this. My only oh, it's goal so in life depressing. Is, to, is, is to own a home in Los Angeles, which is such a fool's errand. But like, yeah. I also love looking at the really, really expensive ones because rich people have no taste. And there's a certain point it's at the three million mark where it crosses from like, oh, this is nice into you have the worst taste in the world. Yes. That that line, it's a hard line. I sent this to Rachel. It was a it was like a three million-ish dollar house, which was five different fairy tale themed bungalows like stitched together. All right, I'm gonna need you to send this to me right the fuck now. Okay, I have to find it. Well, you're sending that. Indian Hill's nice, right? Yeah. And then we've got the downtown, you know, just city of Cincinnati where people live in like apartments and condos and all that stuff along the river. There's 275 is the road, like a big circle that goes around Cincinnati. Cincinnati's kind of like somewhat in the middle of that and then all the suburbs around it. Cincinnati's right on the river. Kentucky's just south of it. Indiana's like 20 minutes west of that. So we have like this tri-state of those three states together. Uh It's hard to say what the douchebags are here because it's not like avocado taste kombucha kind of douchebag it's like the Mm -hmm. shotgun wielding hillbilly driving his truck without a shirt on window down throwing beer cans out the window (laughs) that's a common kind of douchebag we have here Uh uh-huh man that that's that's the one i think of because that's like the one that drives me the most insane is just like the flat out like disregard for human life joe dirt movie style asshole (laughs) For some reason, that always <laughs> makes me think of, or I should say always, but that makes me think of uh, the scene in Being John Malkovich, where the guy, uh, Malkovich, is walking along the side of the road, and this guy goes, Malkovich, think fast, and hurls a can at his head. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have that type here. But like I said, it's weird because we have a mixture of people from like Michigan, the Northeast. Like We're very much like a central hub of like everything. But the Southern douchebag roots tend to overshadow the just in general, city boy douchebag roots, mm-hmm. just because of the pure flash of like you can just spot them easily, right? They've got the yep. you know, mullet or the crazy hair back in a ponytail, the mustache that makes you think like they came straight out of the nineteen seventies. Yeah, like muscle car kind of vibe. Yeah, they work out, yeah. probably take steroids more so than actually working out. They still have a beer belly at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. They've got two tattoos that generally don't make sense on like one arm. 
And then the rest of them is usually pretty clean. They're always sweaty. They smell of cigars and beer. Uh, and just the vibe you get when they walk into the room is kind of like um, a Dementor from Harry Potter. You just like feel cold <laughs> over you when you see them because you know whatever the interaction is you're about to have, it's not going to be good. <laughs> All right. So I put this link in the chat. Oh, yeah. This is incredible. I honestly love every fucking thing about this. It's pretty awesome in, in a completely bananas way, right? Yeah, it's completely batshit, but like Ali and I always make jokes about like when are we starting the Game Grumps compound? Like when's the cult happening? Where when are we gonna have all the cottages in the same place and like a loudspeaker and shit? This is the spot. I really understated the price. It's twelve million dollars. Twelve million dollars, yeah. How big is the house itself? Because it doesn't look that big. Split over five structures, it's about sixty five hundred square feet, according to this. Jesus Christ. I love all the like velvet couches. Yeah. Between five separate structures, there's eight beds, eight baths. That's what it looks like to me, yeah. I just love a weird home. I mean, it's impressive looking as far as the decoration goes. The only parts to me that look like they would be worth spending a lot of money on is like the the stonework. Yeah, very cool. The stonework is very cool, yeah. And that brick little tower and stuff. Like Those are markings of like a $2 million house in Cincinnati. The rest of this looks like hundred thousand dollar house that someone put a lot of money into instead of buying a more expensive house what the fuck is up with that purple couch is that like a recliner i love that purple couch it, no it's awesome but obviously you guys can't see it although we'll put a link on the on our socials there's a couch with like it looks like a cushion slash foot thing do you guys see what i'm talking about oh yeah it looks like the foot thing is where your butt's supposed to go so there's no place to actually sit it's just room for your yes. back and your legs yes exactly looks really uncomfortable yeah that would come up to the middle of my back it looks like so the top of my back and my shoulders would be falling over the back and yeah. maybe my knees would come to the edge of that that's a weird maybe it's for kids maybe that's the ultimate in comfort baby there's a very emergent thing that i've noticed on tiktok not like I actually go on TikTok, but just saying as a general statement. So there's this emergence of cottage core, as well as dark academia and light academia. Uh, mm. And like cottage core is exactly what this house is. And it's like flowing dresses. And so people make these TikToks that are like, you know, video collages of like, here's an old book and here's flowers. And also this is to a Fleet Foxes song. Mm -hmm. Like it's really fascinating to me. Dark academia? What is, defi define yeah. dark academia versus light academia? Because as someone with a, you know, vested interest in academia, I'm very curious in this aesthetic. Hold on. You know what? I'm just going to find a TikTok for you. I boosted my audio. Oh, I can hear, I can hear it coming through someone's. Yeah. I see what you mean, and Layton. Yeah, this ivy-covered wall thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's a lot of like old school, like vintage filters, like chandeliers, dark books, waistcoats, like trench coats. Like that's the vibe. Yes. Um, Have you ever seen the the long room at Trinity College Dublin? Mm -mm. Okay, Google right now. Long room Trinity College. It's the coolest looking thing in the fucking world. Whoa! I want to get murdered here i want to get chased by a man with a knife through here holy shit it's awesome so that's, that's a strange <laughs> uh it's the tip of the iceberg let me assure you uh <laughs> the... okay brian describe both of you for context i have like five tabs of sexy ghost face fan art open <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I found the horny dead by daylight side of Twitter and have just been uh-huh. going hog wild. So <laughs> sorry. I retired from that game. Uh, w- really? Okay. What what did it for you? That game. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about it. That was a game I approached in like a fun like role play with your friends. So it was like I think it's called kill your friends mode where it's like you bring mm-hmm. in four other people and it's just you and people you know. And we would just screw around and like role play a little bit. Like, you know, whoever was the killer. We had this ongoing sketch where my friend Gar would be playing as um, Michael Myers. And for some reason, Michael Myers always wanted KFC. And so we'd role play like, oh, I've got some KFC biscuits or, oh, we're all out today. And, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And it evolved from that into them playing it like real seriously for a while. And everyone got like really good at the game. And I never yeah. really did. And as soon as people started like taking the game more seriously, I kind of lost interest in it. And then I tried playing it for real. And it took about three matches before I was like, you know, I'm retired. Ranked is a fucking nightmare. In that game, like, you have to be several hundred hours in before you are A, actually good, and B, able to not die first. You'd think that several hundred would be enough. In my case, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, did, did you see the thing that was going around Twitter? You might have even uh, retweeted this, Layton, about the, the, the girl who said her boyfriend was getting mad at her because she was much better at dead by daylight i did i did yeah yeah did you repost that retweet that uh i didn't but i was very plugged into that story uh good for her good for this rank one whatever killer she plays uh and fuck that guy fuck that guy right i really thought you were gonna ask me if i had seen the thing about how they nerfed pyramid head's ass no I've not spent much time on the Pyramid Head's ass side of Twitter. <laughs> Let me tell you, it is extensive. Just full-on cake. Based on the number of tabs you have open for Ghostface, I don't even want to think about the other window you have on Pyramid Head's ass. <laughs> Dedicated <laughs> to Pyramid Head ass. Um, so they had the player test build. And for some reason, Pyramid Head has like this deep thigh slit. So you get a little bit of side cheek. And so everyone thought that they nerfed his ass because once he went to like, you know, the actual game... They had changed a texture on the fabric of his butt that made him look a little bit less thick. So everyone was very upset that they nerfed Pyramid Head's ass, quote unquote. Gotcha. They've never done a decent job balancing or getting their servers working and everything else. It's fascinating to me that they took the time to nerf, quote unquote, a texture on a killer's ass. Uh, nerf decisive strike, fix fix fucking no ed, uh, matchmaking. No, 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 no. But smaller. Oh, wait, we have a... <laughs> Well, I was literally just about to say this, which is great because we're kind of back to our old shit with that. Everybody, this is Layton. Hi, that's me. The other voice is Brian. And mystery guest, would you care to introduce yourself uh, 45 minutes in? I'm Wade. Uh, I'm Lord Minion 777 on YouTube and most socials, but I'm only Minion 777 on Twitch because someone stole my username years ago. I do gaming badly. I'm not very interesting. And how I made it onto this show is honestly a miracle. Because you're an awesome dude, Wade. That's why you made yeah. it onto the show. This is a delight. You're also a live performer, right? Or or were briefly, yeah. I would love to again, but yeah, uh, this year's kind of put tables on any kind of talks to do that kind of thing. But yeah, that is so much fun. I envy people who get to do that even more often because having our communities get to watch us live, there's just something special about that. Yeah, oh, it's the best. There's such like a great energy in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's very intimate. So Wade was part of a, an awesome show with uh, with Mark, uh, Mark Plyer that we were talking about before. And who else was there? Tyler and Ethan. Tyler, uh, Ethan, and Bob. And Bob, yeah, right. 
and also my friend Dan Ring. I should put Dan first. Dan made that show. If we came in and brought our audience, Dan is what got the audience to stay for all of it. Like without realizing that we were all horrible and not funny, Dan made us seem like we were funny. He he's great. He, so he's he's a wonderful musician. So I so Dan, yeah, he's a musician composer kind of kind of guy. He sings now. Music is code. Check him out. Don't check me out. Check Dan out. Music is code on Twitch. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even realize he was streaming now. That's awesome. Yeah, he streams uh, most nights at like 9 or 10 p.m. Eastern. So probably like a reasonable time, California time. That's fantastic. So Dan is the reason I met my wife. Really? Yeah. Here, so here's the connection. I moved to Boston 2004 for physics. That was my first postdoc, blah, blah, blah. But that, the reason is not important. But I'd been doing some improv and music stuff in San Diego where I was in grad school. And when I moved to Boston, I was looking around for like improv theaters to do stuff at. And uh, there were kind of two big improv comedy clubs, Improv Boston, uh, which was in Cambridge, ironically, not Boston, and the Improv Asylum, which was like a, it was kind of like a second city style thing. They had like a, a scripted show with a bit of improv and a bunch of other stuff. And anyway, I had like uh, a friend of a friend of a friend, had some connection there, was an actor there and got me an email and I wrote, and I was like, hey, I'm a musician, I'm in town, like I live here now, are you guys ever looking for musicians or actors or whatever? And they were like, yep, set up an interview with, with Dan Ring. And so I showed up and I talked to Dan and I think I played a little something for him, I don't remember, and he was like, great, you're hired. And that is the club where when I was hired, Rachel was an actor. And so because Dan brought me in, to play music at this club. And then about, I don't know, Dan left to move to LA about a year later and I became the music director. Uh, that's where Rachel and I met and started dating and fell in love, got engaged, all that, all that stuff. So it is because Dan took a chance on me uh, at the Improv Asylum that I met my wife and that's the reason I have the kid I have. So it's... I'm going to throw two things out here real quick. You are uh, ridiculously talented. I love everything you do. You are so good. Oh, dude, thank you. Thank you so much. Also super ridiculously talented. However, Dan being in charge of hiring sounds like the worst idea of all time <laughs> because I can't imagine him ever turning anyone down because he's so fucking nice. <laughs> and I'm not saying he hired you because he's nice. Like, you obviously deserve it. I would just love to be a, like a fly on the wall to like a horrible interview. In fact, I want to go try out for Dan and be so bad that he has no choice but to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine him saying that because he's so nice. He, yeah, he's a total sweetheart of a guy. You know, for, to be a musician at an improv club, you know, it's like one of those things where to, to do it well is hard, but probably most places don't have a super high bar to do it. Actually, the Improv Asylum was really great for music because they just had a musician on at every show and you were just playing. And so you could accompany scenes with underscoring. Occasionally there'd be songs. But a lot of clubs, UCB in particular, like will not just have a musician there. You know, there's like if it's improv, they're doing improv. It's a, if it's musical improv, then they have a musician on. But what I loved about Improv Asylum, Improv Boston was like this too, in most cases, was they just have a musician, you know, sitting next to the stage and you could just play if you felt like a scene needed some scoring. But the, the point is to do that is the, the bar is not super high. I don't want to talk shit about anyone who's doing it. I mean, I did this for years and years and years. But if you have like a basic level of competence, 
it's not super hard to to do. Oh, I don't. I've got a very advanced level of incompetence. <laughs> you can basically, for a lot of those underscoring things, play as much or as little uh, as you want. To do it really well is very, very hard. And there are some like legendary music director types who, who are just uh, geniuses at it. The point was, I don't think the interview was the hardest thing in the world to pass. Especially, you know, then you show up and you start doing it on a trial basis. And if you do it well, then you keep doing it. Or, you know, if you don't do it well, then they fire you. I would kill to see Dan even just do an improv skit where he has to fire somebody. I cannot imagine <laughs> him saying anything mean ever. He's always just been so incredibly nice. And like I said, he made our show. I mean, yeah, Rachel, one of the funniest people I've ever encountered in my life, trained us for, I think, a week. That's right. Because you guys, I remember I came like home one day and you guys were in our house, right? You were, you were, were you there for that? I can't remember, Wade. I wasn't there that time. She always came over to Mark's place Right, right, right. But I think because Tyler and Ethan and Mark were all out there, they would go over and they did more training sessions because Bob and I were only out there for one week. So the five of us only trained together for one week total. I mean, yeah. go into a live show in front of thousands of people like around the globe with literally a week of training under your belt. Honestly, what we did was was a mockery of improv. It, we, we should have been like <laughs> thrown off the stage and booed but our fans no matter what we did we're gonna laugh at us because like that's what they do but dude I-, I gotta say just to put some context in this uh this was the live i think we said this before but there's a live show that um mark and wade and bob and tyler and ethan all did with dan on accompaniment and rachel was the improv like basically improv director improv coach for that portion of the show she didn't direct the whole show what was that guy's name sweeney is that right yeah yeah. So Sweeney was the director of the show, but Rachel was basically like the improv master. She made us like able to do what we did. We, we could not have been remotely rather funny or good at it without her training. I mean, considering the time frame we gave her to like prepare us for that, she kicked ass. Uh, all props between her training and Dan on the music. Because like some of the improv we did was stuff we didn't even prepare for because she like, you know... Boiled down to the basics. After watching us not understand rules and how to follow them for like three days, like, all right, look, if you guys are going to break every rule, at least do it right. <laughs> well, but what I was going to say is you guys did something that was actually really remarkable. So she told me about the show and how it was going to be a bunch of like not improv people, you know, not not to denigrate anything that you guys do, but you're not like professional improvisers. And the show was going to be like the vast majority, 75% improv structures mm-hmm. yeah. uh, like short form improv structures and done in a room of like two to 3000 people typically. Right. Yeah. And that is something I've played a bunch of improv gigs being in a room that large to do improv is really, really fucking hard. Right. Because improv works really well in intimate spaces. As you expand that more and more and more, it gets kind of harder and harder to, to get that vibe to work. And so you guys had, in a very real way, like the deck stacked against you because you weren't professional improvisers and you're playing these huge rooms, which are very hard to do that style of comedy in. And we went to see you here in, in L.A. at the Dolby. And I was like, all you guys individually were great. Rachel, you know, was awesome. Dan was awesome. But I was like, let's see if this works. And it was fantastic. And I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. It was legitimately a great show. And you guys all crushed it. That was my personal worst show that I, I was a part of. I felt like I felt so bad after oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that, that Dolby was the one where we were delayed starting because they had um like an audio box go out. Oh, that's right. We had no music. So we all came out there. We were doing our intro to dead silence. <laughs> Which I thought was intentional. 
because I'd never seen the show. We just didn't know what else to do because we started going and the music went out. We're like, keep going. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I, I couldn't tell. Like, I just thought it was part of the bit, never having seen the show before. But I, I don't remember any specific thing that happened. But I just remember thinking everyone on that stage is crushing it right now. And this is an awesome show. And it was not just, you know, as you say, like you're playing for fans, which are very in general supportive. But what I saw was not just supportive fans being supportive. It was people at a great show having a great time. And it, it, I, I was really, really impressed with all of you for for what you brought to 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 that to that venue and that show in general. And you guys did like what 20 30 live shows with that? We probably did closer to 50 or 60 shows total. Oh my god. Shit. So yeah. from the beginning of you doing the show to the end of it, like do you see personal growth in yourself in terms of improv skills and just like stage stuff? So I mean just out of pure practice, yes. It's like doing anything. It's like riding a bike or anything, right? Like you have to know the rules and there's there's something to be said about like uh, rule of threes or you know you're you're in your mind you're thinking like okay i've got to do this or i've got to think of a funny idea based on the fact this person said that they throw poop for a living i've got to think of, you know you got to take whatever whatever's given to you and come up with these funny ideas for this is a very specific improv game but you'll have somebody come up and they'll give you like a story on their life and you do like a day in the life and they might give you just a real sad story of just like nothing you really want to use because it's like very personal sad like things they deal with medicines they take and stuff it's like great, now let's make a 10-minute funny skit on this. And, and like <laughs> that, that especially early on is super challenging. But after you've done it a few times, you're like, I can ask them a question like, well, what side of the bed do you sleep on? And it's, then you can make a little funny skit on sleeping on the side of the bed. So just over time, it's not something you're thinking about. It's like you do the rule of threes just because you're like, two, okay, do the beat again. Like you know, It just becomes yeah. a natural aspect. But the, to me, the biggest part about doing it for so long wasn't that I felt like I really got better or worse. I'm not sure I did get it somewhat better, but um, it was the comfort level with people around you. It was trusting yeah. everyone else on stage to do what they were supposed to do or to understand where you were going with something. Or if there was a screw up or you guys went two different places, you could at least make it work and like, you know, improv the improv to make it functional. Yeah. And just getting that trust and that comfort with other people on the stage, it's almost like dancing. You know, you all have to have your footwork right and you have to know what you're doing and trust everyone's going to be in the place at the right time. And if no one steps forward, you know, like, okay, well, at least... I, they all pause a second, I'll go. Like just knowing yeah. each other and having that comfort level. Cause getting comfortable with it to me was much more important than being great at improv. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're all limbs of the same organism. Yeah. And, and that's why that show worked is cause you all did trust each other. And the other thing is you were all clearly having fun, right? Which really goes a long way towards making that a fun thing to watch, right? Having fun on stage means the audience is going to enjoy seeing you. There's nothing worse than watching an improv show where someone clearly doesn't want to be there who's on stage. The most challenging episode we did was one of the shows when we were in Europe because like, as we learned as doing the show, different parts of the country in the US you know, are different. Yeah, Some crowds are a little bit more rowdy than others. Some are a little bit more calm, some whatever. Yes. But uh, I think it was it was either Netherlands, Belgium. I can't remember where we were exactly in Europe. But a lot of our show is based on audience feedback. We have audience members come up on stage and participate in like dancing or participate in some of these little mini games we do. Which, which is, by the way, another super challenging thing to do is now you're getting like audience members. You said it before, but like once you start throwing uh, that into the picture, it's a whole extra level of, of difficult. Which you, again, you guys did did great. Most of the time, 99% of the time, it was great. Every now and then you get someone who just wanted to come up and like get an autograph or a picture or something. But 
honestly, yeah, yeah. 99% of the time, it was fantastic. But the show we did, one of the improv games I remember particularly that we, we did every show was the like, don't laugh or else the person who made you laugh will have to be swept off the stage and someone will come in to replace them. Right. And when we did this show, the way that they, they watch shows there is they are just very respectful. So they don't make any noise whatsoever yeah. when they watch. So we did this improv game where, you know, obviously we want them to laugh. It's like the kind of you amp up the stupidity as it goes on. And the goal is to switch out a whole bunch at the end and just make it crazy. But like, Every joke we told, just nothing. And it felt like everything we were doing was falling flat because nobody laughed the whole show. Like you could hear a cough from like the 500th row back because it was just so quiet in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're doing this thing. And if like somebody stirred in their seat, we're like, it's a laugh, switch. <laughs> <laughs> Any movement, we're like, they found it funny, move, go. And so the whole show, we, we, did, we had like an intermission at the, the halfway point. We go out backstage and we're like, they hate us. This is the worst. They don't find us funny. <laughs> oh my God, we are failing out there. Like, I think we're having good skits, but we're just not landing. And the show ends, and we usually did like a, we'd go off stage, then we'd come back out for like a QA. Well, before we came out for the QA, we walked off stage and we were all like about to hang our heads and just the loudest standing ovation applause cheering <laughs> we'd ever heard happen. They had been bottling it up the whole show. <laughs> Because they were trying to be respectful, because that's just the way the culture is there. I I swear we like peed. We were so like happy <laughs> that they actually enjoyed it because we thought we had utterly failed and we would never be invited back to that country ever. They'd ban us from coming back. We were so not. <laughs> it, it was really interesting. You know, we did we did a, a an NSP uh, Europe tour last year, um, and I, I agree. It was really interesting seeing the different levels of kind of audience excitement. I think Berlin was the first show we had ever played where we could just look out in into the audience and see what what clearly looked like pockets of people having a bad time. Yeah, Ber Berlin was really interesting in that regard. Like people are very like direct. I don't mean to derail this story, but there was no, like no, no. a moment where Vern and I were like super hungover because we were there to do a talk at a museum that had like a thing about Dream Daddy, but we were eating on a sidewalk and like you know, because there are patio tables and shit, and like this old woman stops and is just like, "You can't have your chair this far into the sidewalk. Are you a tourist? Like, you have to. You, there, are people are walking here. And we're just like, okay, okay, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's terminating. Also, cash only. Why? Why are we obsessed with cash? Wait, where in Germany? Yeah, in Berlin. It's like a thing. Uh, I, oh, we couldn't weird. use cards anywhere. Yeah. Europe has been pretty good about the contactless card payment. That's something even that changed a lot since I lived in England was uh, the amount of like easy, you know, tap and pay stuff has, has skyrocketed. I'm surprised uh, Germany was still so cash centric because I feel like Europe in general is better about card type stuff. But that's I, <laughs> I have a, a friend who lived in Germany for a while and I have a bunch of German friends, you know, from doing physics and stuff. And they're all wonderful people, but generally fairly taciturn. And he told me that he had a conversation with a German colleague who explained to him that every German knows <laughs> that in your life, you can have five friends and <laughs> it, that you will have other people that are in your life and they are acquaintances, but they are not friends. You can have five friends in your life and that's it. And that has always stuck with me. I have no idea if this was just, you know, physicists are an odd bunch. So maybe this was just some physics weirdo. 
but it, every time I think of my German friends, I'm like, I don't think I'm one of their five. In fact, I know I'm not one of their. <laughs> You're not in their top eight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what was the MySpace thing? Uh, your top five or something like that? I don't know. It was, it's it was. eight, your top eight. And one of those five friends has to be Tom from MySpace looking over his shoulder. I never had a disagreement with him my entire life. There was just some article about him I saw like last week where he like basically cashed out and was like later and then has just been chilling ever since. Yeah. God, I wish that some of the founders of other websites would oh, just God. fuck off extremely. <laughs> Jack, we're talking to you, Jack. Oh, I mean, Zuck, I have some some choice choice opinions about what they should do and where they should yeah. go. And I will not say them on a podcast here. Wade, what was the the rowdiest crowd you played to in Europe? Had to have been either UK or Scotland, probably. Yup. Uh-huh. Exactly yeah. the same. L- yep. London. London for us was the craziest crowd. There in London, there was a straight up suck his dick chant that started <laughs> while we were on stage. Of all the places we went, Detroit stands out the most. It's just overall crazy. Australia was all pretty crazy, but yeah, UK and Scotland and Europe were definitely the standouts. Yeah. At, at who? Uh, uh me or Dan probably just say yes yeah (laughs) yeah which one of us yes we did two shows in london at the electric ballroom it was like this classic classic venue where all these like i don't even fucking remember like hendrix and people played there or something everyone played there in like the 60s and and end up and that crowd both shows were just like next level nuts with that with that crowd yeah scotland was pretty wild uh too we played the corn exchange which apparently there's uh, a series of corn exchanges around the UK, which are, you know, used to be corn exchanges, may still be basically like livestock trading things, uh, and now are large performance venues. So we played the Edinburgh Corn Exchange. That actually was the sweatiest show we've ever played. It was like brutally hot in there. We're twerp with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, This is all with twerp and Planet Booty on all these shows. God, seeing them come to the green room after one of their shows, and it's just like, oh, I feel so bad for you guys. You're just oh my completely God. soaked in sweat. That the, the Edinburgh show was the only show that I've ever played where my hands were slipping off the keys because of sweat. <laughs> oh God. And and at some point it becomes like actually dangerous, right? I, I, I think a couple of people passed out at that show too. It gets so hot. It's no windows, it's just a giant fucking venue. And is also weirdly in a residential neighborhood. So like there's people <laughs> living there. Just fucking rocking the corn exchange, going ham at the corn exchange. Yeah. But that that probably was a big difference between the venues you guys did, Wade, and what we do with NSP is we will never play a seated venue. And I would imagine pretty much everything you guys did was seated, right? Yeah, it was actually weirder for us to do seated venues because the one or two times we did, um, they were generally bigger rooms that had like a bunch of pillars. And no matter what we said to them when they were setting up the seats, they would always notoriously put people directly behind the pillar where they couldn't see anything but a pillar. Oh, so lame. Yeah, so we tried to avoid uh, non-seated venues because, again, our show, if we had people interact, it was to come up on stage or they had um, things they could hold up from their seats. It didn't involve them having to like move around or jump or, you know... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say mukbang. What, what's the... God, what's the... <laughs> Mosh pit. <laughs> I don't know muck bang. You know, muck banging. You guys get a big circle of muck bang at a concert. You guys ever do yeah. that? 
<laughs> yeah, you just you just eat your stuff really close to a mic while you're watching a concert, you know? Just chow down an entire bucket of fried chicken. Those trick-or-treaters really fucked with my brain today. <laughs> that I, that would fuck with anyone's brain. What did you, did you give them anything? We weren't prepared for trick-or-treaters in mid- Well, that's when you give them like paper clips or some shit. So Sunday night um, is our garbage night. So if we'd had like any other snacks or anything we'd want to get rid of, we would have probably tossed it out the day before because, you know, all the spring cleaning we've been doing all year because, you know, that's how spring cleaning works. Give them garbage. Yeah. It did not cross my mind. I, I, my brain could not process trick-or-treat this morning. I'm sorry, but if you come not on Halloween and in the morning for trick-or-treating, uh, you get fruit. I would have given them puppy stool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want some dog food? I, I hate to keep coming back to this, but like, what the fuck are they thinking? It's blowing my mind. I really think you need to start playing sirens from inside your home really loudly every time they show up. We have humidity in Cincinnati, like heavy humidity. So we're talking like 80s, 90s with like 100% humidity and they're wearing Halloween costumes. Brutal. Okay, so this is a thing that I was going to bring up earlier. Wait, how do you feel about Taco Bell? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) My wife loves it. My friends love it. They've got great nachos and cheese. Baja bless. I'm a picky eater. I'll eat Chinese food. I'll eat Indian food. I'll eat Thai food. I'll eat fish. I'll eat shrimp. You know, I eat a lot of different things. I don't like a lot of stuff on my burgers. People think I'm weird for that. Mexican food, I've always struggled to find anything I like. Please don't hate me, internet. You already do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So this, this always happens. It's when I bring up Taco Bell with people, it's either they're like, yes, huge, love it, amazing. Or they're just like, I remember going on a date with a guy once and like the place that this like semi nice bar we were going to go to was closed and we were both starving. And I was like, do you want to go to Taco Bell? It's like right there. I know that's weird. And he was like, I haven't eaten Taco Bell in 10 years. And I was like, okay, motherfucker, do you think you're better than me? Um, anyway, but I've, I've, I've just been truly devastated by the news that they're taking like half the shit off the menu, but most importantly, the potatoes. The potatoes are the best. It's like the cheesy fiesta potatoes, the loaded potato griller. You can get potatoes in a quesarito. It's a great option if you, you know, don't eat meat or whatever. They're just super good. So what's the deal? They they are just like shutting down half the menu? They got rid of the Cool Ranch tacos, which was devastating because I've always been a Cool Ranch bitch over nacho cheese. Sorry, Doritos. Um, And they're getting rid of like so much good shit. I don't understand it. Like the thing that I love about Taco Bell is they always try new weird shit. And my least favorite thing about Taco Bell is they're like, yeah, wasn't that delicious? You're never going to have it again. Yeah, I like Taco Bell because it draws most of the people there late night. So all the other restaurants have a shorter line. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, they're getting rid of chips and dips. There's nothing more for me there. There's nothing left for me at Taco Bell. I'm looking at this right now. They're getting rid, like you said, Layton, the cheesy Fiesta potatoes, the loaded grillers, and the chips and dips under their snacks. It's like they they've gotta surely this was a publicity move or or some shit. Like, why would you go now? Oh, it makes me so sad. And then like the speaking of, you know, the number of times that I have been drunk as fuck in a Taco Bell. You know, it's it's like you have the triumvirate of like IHOP Denny's in Taco Bell. Or actually, you know what, if you're in the South, the Waffle House is in there also. Like that's you were drunk there. You they don't let you in unless you're drunk. I've got a fun Waffle House story if you guys have. Yes, go. Do it. When I was in high school, shortly after my friends and I were old enough to get our license, around probably 9 or 10 o'clock at night, 
my friends pulled into my driveway and they're like, hey, wait. They texted me like, wait, come outside. So I come outside of the driveway like, hey, what's up? They proceed to grab me and they tie my hands and my feet together. <laughs> what? And they throw me in the back seat of their car. Oh, God. And they drive, uh, I, again, I'm not wearing a seatbelt, whatever, because I'm tied up in the backseat of their car. They drive me, <laughs> and they're laughing about it. Like, I'm not even concerned at this point. I know them, so I'm like, my, my concern primarily is the fact that I'm not wearing a seatbelt, and it's like, what stupid shit are we about to go get into now? Um, not that anything bad's actually going to happen to me from them like sending me to like, a human trafficking ring or something. But we go to another friend's house. Um, I won't name her name, but we go to her house, and apparently she's having a sleepover. She's got friends over hanging out. They get her to come outside. And they don't tie her up, but they convince her to get into the car. <laughs> and then because I'm over there and they know I can't go anywhere, they untie me and they're like, all right, so we're going to drive that 275 loop. The one you talked about earlier. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's a big road that just goes around Cincinnati. But they took me from my house without asking. And then they went and got her and they just flat out told us we were driving this loop. And that was their big, brilliant plan. So there's two male friends in the front and uh, me and our female friend in the back seat. We start driving, we get like 30, 45 minutes into the drive and someone mentions food and we've just crossed over into like Northern Kentucky recently. And uh, my friend's like, oh, well, there's a Waffle House here. Let's go there. So by this point, it's probably 11 o'clock, almost midnight. And we're pulling into this 24-hour Waffle House. And there's not many cars on the road, not many cars out in general. Some of like the fast food restaurants have lines. This Waffle House is packed. Every parking place is full. There are three semi-trucks parked at this Waffle House. We're driving around waiting for someone to leave so we can take a spot. We finally get a spot. I don't know why we stayed, why we were so committed to this Waffle House, but we were. We walk inside. And uh, when you walk inside, like most Waffle Houses, it's kind of like undersized. They really fit things in there kind of perfectly, small walkways. And immediately to the right, there's a bathroom door. The men's room, I think, is immediately to the right. As we open the door to get in, open the second door, the bathroom door swings open. And this guy steps out who looks like he's probably 50, but he looks like he's 70 or 80, probably from the heavy alcohol drug use. Uh-huh, yep. Steps out of the bathroom, kind of like stumbling a little bit, and he raises up an arm, and he goes, I just got done shaking the one-eyed monster. And the whole Waffle House erupts into applause for this guy. <laughs> And like they're saying his name, they're like, go Dave, or whatever his name was. <laughs> and then he walks out the door. He doesn't even go back to a seat. He just leaves the Waffle House. <laughs> and then we sit down and proceed to eat. And everybody just goes back to the normal conversation. It's like nothing ever happened. The waiter comes over, waitress comes over, helps us. Everything is completely normal from that point on. <laughs> I fell asleep. We left the Waffle House, passed out in the car. I got back home, got out of my house at like one or two in the morning. I don't remember anything else about the drive or the trip. It was super boring. It was the stupidest trip of all time. But that man walking out and getting an applause for taking a piss, to me, is just like the one of the highlights of my high school years. <laughs> and I don't know why. Uh, I wish to God I had a video of just how ridiculous it was that that Waffle House was so packed and everyone was so proud of this guy for taking a piss. And everyone knew him. It was the cheers of Waffle Houses. In my mind, he looks like Mr. C from uh, Twin Peaks season three, you know, like a leather faced leather jacket, you know, very serious, like hair slicked back. So white tank top. He's got short. He's got very tan. Like you said, the kind of leathery skin, very tan, uh, almost red tan, Um, Mm -hmm. short white hair to where it's like thin, but not really balding. 
Uh, and then he's got like the same, his beard's kind of the same. It's like a real short, like one or two beard, white, again, kind of thin, but not balding. Looks like in another life, he could have been a pirate if he lost an eye and got a peg leg. Oh, mm. nice. Yeah. So that, that's kind of what he looked like. I, I can see him to this day. He was probably like five foot four, not a, not a very big guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, he was so proud of himself. Everyone was so proud of him. And all the tours we did, we did, like I said, 50 or 60 of them. I don't think we ever got applause like he did for taking a pit. <laughs> taking nothing away from our fans. Like they enjoyed the shows, but they knew this guy and taking that piss was a lifetime accomplishment based on the amount of cheering and whooping and like catcalling and everything he got when he stepped out. That's Dave for you, man. Everybody, the man discovered the Waffle House cheat code. If you go and piss and come out and say the magic phrase that you pissed and everyone claps, it's not dine and dashing. You just yeah. you just go. Your meal is comped. What's the word for like whenever you remember things differently than they actually happen? Because in my brain, the way he says "got done shaking the one-eyed monster" is very pirate-like. I highly uh-huh. doubt he sounded anything like that. But my memory of it is, I just got done shaking the one-eyed monster. <laughs> <laughs> he could not have possibly said it like that. There's something like very haunted about like an IHOP, a Denny's, or a Waffle House in the middle of the night. What's that Jim Gaffigan joke of like, I've seen three guns in my life and two of them were in a Waffle House? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pat Oswalt in his new bit, in his new uh, special, has a whole Denny's bit where basically the conceit is that Denny's is not someplace you go, it's someplace you end up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was all couched in a I love Denny's kind of thing because the special is called I Love Everything, and that's kind of what it is. Mm. But watch it, and, and the bit on Denny's is uh, is very nihilistic when it comes to what a Denny's <laughs> does. It's pretty great. I have a good uh, liminal space of a breakfast place in the middle of the night that just like is cemented in my memory as being one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced. Yeah. It, w- it was like 2015 or so, and I was driving with these kids who I was sort of friends with, uh, who were way cooler than I was. Like, I was really afraid of them because they were super cool. But we found out that we were going to the same Neutral Milk Hotel concert, which was on their, like, final tour. So I was really excited to go see them because they're one of my favorite bands. So we didn't go together and we didn't have tickets together. So it was my first time going on, like, a three-hour road trip. I was staying with a cousin. And so I was really afraid of driving, but I was going to meet the cool kids there. I go up. I meet the cool kids at the concert. Dope fucking concert. It was so good. I mean, Julian, like the guitarist, had such great energy. Super amazing. Like one of the best concerts I've ever been to. But afterwards, like my friends came up to me and they were like, holy shit, there was this guy next to us. And like basically at the beginning of the show, they did like, please don't film us, don't take pictures. It's distracting and we don't want to do it. And so this dude was like hooting and hollering and taking video and stuff. And my the cooler kids who were very aggro were like, hey man, you got to stop, cut that shit out. Like, it's really disrespectful. And he was like, oh, respect? You want to talk about respect? And he pulled up his sleeve and he had a shit tattoo of Anne Frank with like a neutral milk hotel quote under it and was like, this is respect. Oh my God. Yes. And so we go outside, we start walking away. We're like, okay, we're hungry. And then all of a sudden I hear like a sound like a gunshot and I turn around and somebody from the concert just got fucking hit by a car. What? Yeah. Yeah. Just like right there, right as we're walking out, we were like, okay, that's fucked up. I text my then boyfriend at the time, who was a fucking nightmare, um, that we did like, hey, we just got somebody got hit by a car. And he was already really mad that I was out having a fun time with friends uh, without him. So it's being very needy. This is a bad relationship. It was not a good relationship. Leighton in a bad relationship, shocking. 
But then he just like started freaking out at me about like, it's really fucked up that you would say it no, not so nonchalantly that somebody got hit by a car. Anyway, so the cool kids and I drive to an IHOP. We go in. There's a dude just kind of loitering in there um, who strikes up a conversation with us after like, I'm assuming just he's been talking at the hostess for a very long time. And he's like, hey, kids, what's going on? I'm running for president. Tommy Lee, 2016. I, you want to work for me? You want to work for me? Do you guys want to be the secretaries of weed? And we're all like, hell yeah, dude. Secretaries of weed. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, man. And then he, he comes over, he's just like a fascinating character and we're all egging him on. And he comes and sits with us at our table while we're eating pancakes or whatever the fuck. And he's just like telling us about his life. He was like, I had my own reality TV show. And we were like, okay, yeah, sure. Sure, dude. Sure. And then he pulls it up on YouTube and like shows us this eight minute clip of his reality TV show. And I wish I could find it because it was like actually legit. Wow. But he was just ranting at us and like telling us his life story. And I think he was saying something about like, I'm extremely serious about being president. I'm telling you, I'm going to get it. I am the most patriotic person in the world. And then all of a sudden he, I got to make the sound effect here. He throws his leg up on the table, takes off his shoe, and his toenails are painted each one with an American flag. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, of course, I, I had my sketchbook with me, and I was like, Tommy Lee, I need your autograph for when you're eventually president. He signs my sketchbook. I still have it, and he draws a smiley face that has, like, an upside-down, like, frown on the top. So either way, it's a smiley. And he was like, this one is because I'm bipolar, and sometimes I'm happy, and sometimes I'm sad. Me, at the time, not being diagnosed with bipolar 2 yet, I was like, oh, okay, cool. But um, yeah, it was weird. And then on the drive home from that concert, it was like I hydroplaned off of the highway and did two oh like complete 360 spins, narrowly getting missed. Uh, like somebody almost hit me and that probably would have been it for me. Yeah, it was a very strange 24 hours. That's amazing. I hope I don't want to I don't want to know you don't have to disclose this, but I, I hope you wrote his name and then voted for him. <laughs> oh, I wish. Tommy Lee, wherever you are, I hope you are well. We should move on to uh, our next segment in a moment, but I do want to tell a very, like a 30 second story that these remind me of, which is one time a couple years ago, I was, I had taken Audrey to her little kid dance class. You know, her dance class is on the second floor. We've taken an elevator to get back down to the parking garage from it. And so she, you know, bounces out of dance class and her little fucking pink tutu and shit. And gets in the elevator and also going down the elevator is a very, very like unstable looking gentleman, you know, like long hair, kind of scruffy, like staring off into space, look like he might be on something. And so, of course, I'm trying to like, you know, steer Audrey slightly away from him in the elevator. But precisely because I'm doing that, she's like, this is the guy I need to talk to. <laughs> so, of course, because that's how kids work. Uh, she goes. I just went to dance class and this guy looks very slowly, turns his head and looks at her and goes, we're all in the black class, little baby. That's why they call it oblivion. <laughs> oh boy. We're all in the black class, little baby. That's why they call it oblivion. Has stayed with me for years. Do you guys step into fucking True Detective season one? I know, right? And I, yeah, I was like, Rust? Rust? Cole? It, 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 and I was just like, okay, let's get out of this. I think we, you know, we didn't have to go down very far. So it was like a, you know, one minute elevator ride. But uh, we got out quick. 
And of course, she didn't know. She just, you know, bouncing around just for four or something at the time. But yeah, w- w- watching little kids talk to very, very uh, upset and disturbed looking people is, is <laughs> oh, it's, it's an adventure. I can't get over this. It's pretty great, right? Black class little baby. I almost picture this guy almost looking like a Tommy Wiseau kind of. Yes. Uh-huh. That is not far. He had like uh, brown hair rather than black hair. But yeah. <laughs> One last midnight brothers and sisters hand in hand oh opting God. out of a raw deal. <laughs> All right. Wait, our next, our first segment, I'd say our next segment, but the only segment uh, we've done so far. So this is our pop culture recommendation segment. And the thing that makes this segment really stand out is not the recommendations, which are, I'm sure, going to be great, but it's the theme song. So uh, are you ready for the theme song? Yeah, by all means. Okay, great. Uh, It's really good. And here it is. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? All right. Raw reaction. What did you think? I didn't hear anything. Okay, so once again, this bit has utterly failed, uh, as it tends to do. Uh, I didn't play anything. It doesn't work most of the time now. Ryan, what, what's our score on this? Like, somebody listening, please figure out the score. I want a definitive ranking of guest react. You know what? I want a compilation of guest reactions to the non-What's Poppin' theme song. Someone please. So, yeah, I didn't play anything. It's a bit we try to do. It usually doesn't work. In fact, that's an understatement. And I apologize. Going to be in the setup because, like, I don't know the the build up to wanting to hear something amazing and then hearing nothing. Like, if I had a recommendation, play one single note or either something. I don't know mm. something to where I know it's not because I'm just not hearing it. Like it's not coming through to where I can just be disappointed. I agree. You know what? I do agree with you that it's the setup, and I ha- I haven't been scientific about it, but. I want to hear something really shitty to be disappointed in rather than you guys being disappointed in me for not Mm. reacting to the nothingness. Oh, believe me, I'm not disappointed in you. I fucking love this idea. What if we do a custom, very short shit theme song that's different every single time? Uh, Sure. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Let's try it. Next episode, let's just try it. I'll write some bad music. Great. Okay, done. Make it as awful as possible because that way, like, you know, I would have been uncomfortable, like, criticizing and be like, oh, well... I've heard you make a lot of great music before. I would try to find a way to compliment something else you've done rather than talk about that. But like putting people in an awkward position of not wanting to criticize something that you intentionally made as horrible as possible, that's the gold mine. There it is. That's actually pretty great. Uh, Anyway, okay, so uh, I nominate myself to go first. Thank you, Brian. Okay, great. So what I'm going to... Uh, uh, oh, wait, you have to ask me the question. Brian, what's popping? Thanks, Brian. Uh, I'm going to talk about a, a podcast episode that uh, I just heard yesterday. My friend Andrew, Andrew Fechner, who's a, who's a good buddy of mine, uh, he sent me this episode from a podcast called Rock and or Roll, which is... Uh, does anyone get the reference in the title? Rock and or Roll? No, because I'm not a fucking nerd. Uh, it is a Simpsons reference. I believe Reverend Lovejoy says that sounds like rock and or roll. Oh, the Inagata DeVita bit? Yes, exactly. So this podcast, which I didn't know beforehand, uh, a recent episode, and I wrote it down, episode 317, uh, 
went through the Golden Raspberry Worst Original Song nominees and winners from the 80s. <laughs> and it is fan-fucking-tastic start to finish. There's people on here you've heard of. I mean, there's like a Prince song. There's a George Harrison song. Uh, both Sylvester and Frank Stallone have separate entries. <laughs> it's really, really awesome. The, the title of the episode is Golden Raspberries. And it is fucking great. There's some, I'm not quite done with it yet. I have about 20 minutes left, but what is now my favorite music has appeared on this podcast. So rock and or roll recent episode, golden raspberry worst original song winners. It's, it's just pure joy from start to finish. And Layton, do you recall in a previous episode, I referred to the movie, your hunter from the future. Nope. Listen, we say things on this podcast and they leave my brain immediately. Yep. Well, anyway, yours song is in this. And I audibly squealed when he said your hunter from the future was on this. It, it, oh, I love it so much. All right. Layton, what's popping? Okay. What's popping for me is that I actually started watching movies again, um, which has been really delightful for me. There are a bunch that I could recommend because I've watched many of them this week, but I had never heard of director Abel Ferrara, which has just been a major cinematic blind spot for me. And I can't believe it. Are you familiar with him at all, either of you? No. So he directed Bad Lieutenant, Miss 45, uh, just a lot of like cult classic exploitation movies. Uh, Driller Killer, which was one of the first like video nasties. If you've listened to my episode of Deep Cuts, that's out now that you can listen to or recover video nasties, but that's fine if you don't want to listen to it. Yeah, just like real classic, but also just real like agent of chaos. Like there's a really wonderful interview with him on Conan in like 95, where he's just like very strung out and Conan is trying his best, but he's extremely charming. Talks about wanting to fight Harvey Keitel. <laughs> but I watched Miss 45 and his like vampire movie, The Addiction this week. And both mm. are just like immediately some of my favorite movies. They're so fucking good. Yeah, I don't really know what else to say about them, but they're just like such great movies. Like Miss 45 is like a rape revenge movie, which I normally fucking hate. And coming from a male director during like 70s exploitation, I fully expected it to be like misogynist as fuck. And that's totally the opposite of what it is. Like it's done so tactfully. It's just great. That's awesome. So that's my recommendation. And also if, if any of you are like interested in the movies, but don't want to commit, just watch that Conan interview because <laughs> it rules. Cool. Wade, what's popping with you? I, I found a channel a few months back. I'm sure everyone's heard of Cinema Sins, but uh, mm -hmm. I've been watching the counterpart to that recently, Cinema Wins. Mm, I don't know it. And one of the reasons I recommend that is a lot of people have a lot of strong feelings about like let's the, the new Star Wars trilogy, right? The one that just came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wasn't a big fan of it after watching it, but I will say I've appreciated it more after watching Cinema Wins. I wouldn't say I, I love it still. But I, I find that it's nice and it's almost like mentally healthy <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. try to spin things to be in a more positive light. I feel like I've felt a lot better overall as I've been watching this and uh, just trying in general to be less combative and more like, you know, because I'm, I'm a sports fan. So it's like my team versus your team. But just with the political landscape in the country and just like a lot of the people like at each other's throats over everything, like, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter protests and the wear a mask, don't wear a mask, all that stuff that's going on. Just everyone's at each other's throats. And it's just nice to find a reason to try to be more like accepting of things, even if you originally disagree, because I've been trying to steer my audience toward, you know, 
talking to each other and trying to find a middle ground. Don't don't let this whole like my my political party, my political party become the thing. Try to communicate. Let's communicate. Let's find a middle ground. Let's understand. Let's work together. And the nice thing about Cinema Wins is it'll take a movie that you love. It'll tell you the great things about it. Great. Pats you on the back. But it could take a movie like the newest Star Wars movie that you necessarily didn't probably didn't like. A lot of people didn't like it. And it gives you reasons to think like, you know, actually, maybe it wasn't as bad as I originally thought. Maybe my initial impression was skewed because it wasn't what I wanted, but I can at least appreciate it for what it is. And just that that positive line of thinking, I don't know, it's made me feel better. That's awesome. And so I recommend that for just mental health in general, trying to find more positive ways to look at things. Right. Yeah, that's great. Let's move on to our final segment, which is called Peaches and Lemons. Here is the theme song for Peaches and Lemons, which the audience will hear, but you will not hear. Okay. Peaches and Lemons. Peaches and Lemons. This is a thing that I stole from my family that's an exercise in gratitude where we each share three peaches, which are things that we're like excited about, grateful for, nice things that happened. And they can be as like sweeping and grand as like, ah, I love my wife. Or just like, I had a nice sandwich. So normally, when we first started this podcast, I say normally, we did like four episodes with lemons. Normally, we would do like one lemon, which is just kind of acknowledging like, oh, here's a shitty thing that happened. But that's fine because I have three peaches. But we started not doing lemons anymore. So we will just go around and each share three peaches. Okay, cool. Do you want to start, Layden? Sure, yeah. So my first peach is, as mentioned, um, the thing that I've been working on forever, Deep Cuts. Uh, The first episode dropped on Friday, and I was really, really nervous about it and fretting and just being like, this is fucking shit, just like everything else I make. People are going to hate it. But the response has been just really great, and people like it, and that is like... Well, that's because it's great. You did an amazing job with it. It's really wonderful. Thank you, Brian. And also, you know, big ups to both Brian and our producer, Jarek, because they were very instrumental uh, in oh, making this happen. I had very, J- Jarek really had a lot to do with it. I had much less to do with it. Jarek knocked it out of the fucking park. And, you know, Jarek, you're listening to this because you're editing this episode, but like, I'm not sure if you've seen the comments, but like half of them are like, this is so well produced. And they are right. Yeah, Jarek did a great job. It's good. And if you haven't listened to it yet, you should check it out. Even if you're not a fan of horror, it's, you know, IMO, it's interesting. And so this week we'll have this episode. Week after next, we'll have the next episode. So we're just going to do some little trade-offs. And I've had some good ideas for like future episodes that are less sprawling and don't take me several months to write and research. (laughs) So that's my first page. My second peach is friend, creative partner, neighbor, uh, uh, mortal enemy, Vernon, adopted a Shiba Inu on Saturday, a little eight-week-old puppy, and I got to drive him up. Oh, he got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to drive him up. We picked her up, brought her back. We had a little uh, play date with her and maybe yesterday. And just like, oh, she is the most precious. I suggested the name McCready after the thing, of course. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. With the nickname Red. So Red just loves to sleep and I'm getting a constant stream of just like puppy videos really does the heart good, but we're trying to make our dogs best friends. So I'll keep you all posted on how that goes. Mostly red just wants to sleep, which is a big old mood. My third peach is that I ate a slice of peach pie yesterday and it was really good. Oh, a peach about a peach. Look at that. Peaches are so good. They're amazing. And it's like super fresh peaches. And like, I I don't have enough pie in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. 
Cake is pretty okay. I like cake every once in a while, but I'm I'm a pie kind of gal. Cake can refer to a butt. I learned that in some context recently. What? Yeah, the the, the oh. thickums. I think I said that earlier on this episode that Pyramid had cake. The thickums? Thickums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone said that in my stream, and now that's just like my intrusive thought constantly where I'm like, damn, thickums. thickums. Oh, real quick, can I just say, uh, I pointed this out uh, on the NSP Twitter and no one really reacted to it, so I'm going to uh, dump it on the two of you. I don't understand why people, you know, okay, this fucking cake thing that's been going around Twitter uh, or mm-hmm. was last week. What, what's going on, on Twitter? With- it's like, hey, look at this baseball. Oh, God, actually, it's a cake. Whoa, what? Okay. Why are people not calling these deep cakes? <laughs> right? I think you know perfectly well why they're not calling them deep cakes, because that's not funny. No, I do not know. I don't have an answer to your question, however, despite my supporting of the funniness. It's a good one. It was never funny to me. I don't... No, it certainly that trend was stupid. It's cake. You guys not heard of fondants? You guys ever watch Food Network? The fuck? Yeah. I wouldn't say it was funny, but it was also one of those things where I couldn't quite look away. Like, I had to watch it through to see where it was going with the cake. But then I was always left kind of empty and disappointed. As with many things online. Yeah. Wade, do you want to go next with some peaches? To start off with, uh, a peach that I thought was a lemon, but has turned into a bit of a peach, is I think my my dog, I've got two dogs, brother and sister, and I think our girl Ginger is going to be okay. Um, we were worried Good. you had some major back issue going on, and that she might have to see a neurologist and possibly have surgery. It Oof. looks like just a month of rest and some uh, medicine, and she'll be all right. So Good. I'm very thankful for that news for her sake, her quality of life, and just her wanting to get back to playing and you know, living a normal dog life. So that, that's a that's a peach yeah. for our ginger. Very thankful that she's probably going to hopefully be okay as long as we do our job and take good care of her. Just family in general. My wife, like a second peach, is just, God, this, the amount of support I've had from family and just them reaching out at the right time or being available. This year has been awful. <laughs> this year has just been God-awful. I mean, 2020 yeah. has been... Everyone was so looking forward to this year and just like it started with what the Australia wildfires and then uh, I don't know if you guys say that the word of what's going around, but the the Backstreet Boys World Tour is how uh, Danny and Aaron were. <laughs> yeah. That police stuff going on, just the political, everything's just been so, no matter where you turn, it's been horrible. And then recently on Twitter, there was a whole bunch of people that were outed for being horrible people. And just like everywhere you turn, there's just been a lot of awfulness. Yeah. So just having my family to turn to, having my wife to lean on, um, she's been experimenting with different cooking recipes during this time that we've been home. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. So just having that support to fall back on has been great. And a third peach. Okay, I'll be a little mushy here. Uh, I'm thankful that Brian reached out to me to invite me on the podcast. I guess that's been on my mind this weekend. Aww. I've always thought you were a great dude. We got to spend a little bit of time together at like uh, Indie PopCon a few years back. We were doing a signing. Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Never really gotten to talk, hang out or anything. Late and getting to meet you uh, has been really a pleasure too. Yeah, likewise. I kind of don't branch out very often. I don't reach out to people. I don't mingle with people I don't already know very often. And uh, it's nice to have another, you know, a couple people to talk to and chat with. And uh, just you guys seem great, funny, interesting people. And so I'm thankful I'm here on the podcast with you guys. And I appreciate you reaching out and thinking of me. I'm not sure what horrible curse fell upon you or what the magic eight ball had to have said for you to be like, oh, maybe I should reach out to Wade. No, dude, it was, I was just like scrolling through Twitter and you posted something and I was like, oh, I haven't talked to Wade in forever. And that was it. Yeah. 
but back at you, man, like you're, you're such a sweet, kind, wonderful, great guy. Like it's one of the real joys of this podcast has been the ability to basically just sit down and talk to people like you that I like a lot and haven't really had much of a chance to talk to. Uh, speaking for Layton as well, we're just so grateful that you, you chose to spend this time with us. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I'm very happy to. I'm sure you do like different guests every week, but I'd love to just uh, hang out and chat with you guys on air, off air, whatever. It's just, it's just nice. You guys seem like great people. And I just, I like having a lot of great people in my life and I'm very blessed to, to have that. And it's always nice to add a few more, even if you guys aren't in my top five German friend group. <laughs> <laughs> you're on the list of top eight. I might be willing to push Tom out. Oh, wow. Damn. That's, yeah. I'd love to do this again. I mean, not, you know, recorded necessarily, like what, whatever. Anytime you want to hang, I'm, I'm down for it. And by the way, my wife is a huge fan of yours as well, Wade. I hope you know that. She like, uh, she really, really loves you. Yeah. This sounds so cheesy, but I have so much respect for the things you guys do and just getting to meet you and seeing how awesome of people you are. I love the posts um, with your daughter and everything. You guys seem like great parents, just great people. Unfortunately, we just live so far apart. Uh, and, you know, with the Backstreet Boys World Tour, I guess that wouldn't matter anyway. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's something that I've been wondering about uh, of like, we've had people request the guests come back on the show. And we've certainly had guests be like, I would totally come back. You know, Jory, Ali, like have been very highly requested. We should like figure out a way to do that. Yeah, totally. I mean, if, quote, figure out a way to do that. See if people would be bored if we had repeat guests or maybe do it as minisodes or Patreon exclusives or something like that. I also think that you guys have something special with having a lot of variety of people because you get a lot of variety of conversations and just stories you wouldn't expect. Yeah, man. Those will be my three peaches. Oh, so where where can people find you online? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I haven't done my peaches. What the fuck? Oh, shit. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> what? The, okay, now I'm not, I'm not doing them now. I don't want to. No! Do your do your no, precious peaches cry? I'm not doing it. I had some good ones. No! Too, I'm not going to draw. Nope. I'm not. I refuse. I'm taking a stand. <laughs> no, this is awful. Do your goddamn peaches. Is this the first? Have, we, have you guys ever had a, a mutiny of peaches? Well, I'm tempted to do it, but because Layton asked so rudely, <laughs> I will do them. Uh, but I'm going to do them in, in a way that makes them seem like not peaches. No, I can't. I have to take this bit seriously. I'm sorry. I have to do them and actually be grateful because these are good things. Okay. Uh, but I'll do them quickly because I know also, Wade, you got to go uh, pretty soon. Okay. No, peach number one, I finished Luigi's Mansion 3 with Audrey, and we had a great time playing it. Oh. Uh, she really, really likes it, and uh, I, she made me promise that I wouldn't do it without her. And so we played it together. And she just loved it the whole time. And we finally finished. It's her like second time going through the game because she did it with Rachel too. But we finished it and it was awesome. Second peach is I had my soprano saxophone was uh, a little bit leaky, a little bit squeaky. And I took it into the shop and I just got it back. It was there for about two weeks. And now I am ready to really dive into doing some sax for this kind of smooth jazz album that I've been writing for a while. Yo. Yeah, it's going to be real fun. Solo album or? Yep, solo album uh, produced by Commander Miach from Twerp, and uh, it's it's real fun and stupid. I wish I was talented at something other than I'm very good at being not good at anything. Oh come on, man! You're you're like a funny, compelling guy. Like that's that's a talent. How dare you say that about yourself? Uh, I'm good at f yeah. Well, you know, well, peaches, peaches. Yeah, go you go ahead with your thing. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, and, and my final peach, uh, I for for the first time in like. A couple of years, honestly, you know, as a scientist, I used to be doing a lot of math and really get involved in these calculations. And I was just trying to figure something out. And I ended up kind of, you know, 
getting 10 pages deep into some calculation I was trying to do. And it's the first time in a long time I've been like really in that like flow state of math. I do that a lot with music, but with math, it's been a, a couple of years and it was kind of nice to be back in this like, oh shit, I'm calculating again, kind of, kind of mode. It, it was a fun, good feeling that was like, oh yeah, I used to do this all the time. And, uh, and now it's back. I feel that way whenever people bring up like philosophy, which was my major in college, whenever people bring that up, it's, it's a nice like, oh yeah, I went to school for this for four years. We'll have to talk about that next time, but uh, I would love to talk to you about philosophy sometime. I wish I retained more of it. It's more so like the <laughs> the way I look at things has changed more than I remember the actual specifics of what different people said, but I, I was a morals and ethics focus. Oh, sweet. Interesting. I took a lot of philosophy also in college and I was more in the like the analytic philosophy like philosophy of math kind of stuff. Yeah, like logic and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I didn't actually do too much like symbolic logic a little bit, but I was more interested in like, yeah, I mean, the stuff right around that, the Russell, Frege, I mean, that's all logic stuff too, but uh, philosophy of language too, I thought was really cool. Now that's like a three-day nonstop, 72-hour straight podcast. We go into philosophy. That, <laughs> that conversation will never end. I want to do it. So Leighton, now do you want to say the thing you were going to say to Wade now that I got my peaches out? Are you okay? Well, now that you sassed me, I don't want to say it. Say it. I said my thing after you sassed me. All right, Wade. Be nice. Where can we find you online? Be nice. <laughs> Be nice to our guest. <laughs> Wade, where can our listeners find you online? Is there anything that you're excited to plug? <laughs> well, uh, thanks, Leighton. I appreciate you asking. <laughs> On Twitch, I'm Minion777. I try to stream three to five days a week. I've been taking more time off the last month or so for mental health. I feel like all creators should take care of themselves foremost. Good for you. But I would definitely like to uh, you know, encourage people to watch me live. I feel like live interaction is so much better than even video stuff. Um, I do post videos on YouTube, Lord Minion 777, and I'm you can find me as Lord Minion 777 or most things on other socials like Twitter and so forth. Hate that username. I hate the fact that Lord's in the username. It sounds so haughty and like like worship me. I wish I was just minion everywhere because I kind of like just being one of the bunch. But uh I do a lot of gaming. Uh, I do a lot of just chatting and I go off on my community. I'm very sassy. And if there's something I feel strongly about, I make sure to share that. And I encourage people to look at things the right way, which is usually my way. <laughs> you know how that works out. <laughs> Sweet. Well, Wade, this was a real joy. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. And taking the, the time out of your day. Thanks for having me. Of course. And I hope your dog is okay. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. She will be. I'm going to go give her some meds right now and uh, she's going to be well taken care of. And, uh, yeah, I'll be posting updates. I'll be keeping everybody updated on socials as far as how she's going over the next uh, month or so. Cool. Wonderful. Well, listeners, thanks so much for joining us today for this long episode. Uh, hope you're all doing well and staying safe out there. Uh, this is the end of the podcast. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Do, 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 do. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com.